Welcome to Why in the World. My name is Ben Shepherd. This episode is brought to you by Raven Rock, a brand new clothing brand based in North Wales who create amazing premium quality clothing manufactured here in Britain at an affordable price. Today's guest I'd best describe as a jack of all trades. He's a climber, trail runner, mountaineer, skier, route linker, and most recently, open water swimmer, an ambassador for everything outdoors, who's done a fair few big projects in his time as well. Rory Southworth is on Why in the World. I want to just start, for people that maybe don't know exactly who you are, can you just give us a bit of a backstory uh, about you and your love for the outdoors? Yeah, so I'm not really a racer, but I tend to dabble. I like to think of myself more multi-sport. I do a bit of running. I've done some big hikes. Uh, I've cycled a bit. I climb. I swim. I ski. I'm, I'm, I kind of depends on the weather. Like being so close to the Lake District, it does very much depend on the weather. If it's good for the climbing, if it's good for the skiing, I will break out whatever equipment I need and just and just get out as much as I can. Where did the love for the outdoors begin? So I. I was quite lucky. I, I grew up um, spending a fair few weeks of my summers uh, in the Alps, sometimes winters. And my parents would take me since I was about, I think, age of nine. I've gone every year up until sort of my adulthood. And we'd go out and we would hike. And it was weird because we never did hike in the UK. We'd always go out to Zermatt, to the Jungfrau region. So I was exposed from quite an early age, just big alpine mountains and just lovely hikes. When I sort of became a teenager, I got very much into bikes, BMXing, mountain biking, and I kind of resented the hiking because I knew there was a faster way. I could enjoy this much more if I was on my bike, but I still every year would go out, you know, as a kid with my parents to the Alps. And I think that's kind of where the trail running itch kind of came from when I was at university. I joined the mountaineering club because it sounded like a good idea. I got very into it. I was training as much as I could. I was climbing in the weeks all the time, but I was climbing indoors a lot. And it wasn't until I graduated from uni, I saw this as like an an opportunity to then move closer to the mountains so I could climb, I could hike, and I could do all those things. Just at the end of kind of university, when I was meant to be revising, I started trail running or running on the canal path I'd spend so much time climbing indoors that my cardio wasn't as good, you know, as I'd hope it would be. And I saw it as an opportunity to kind of escape from the revision. But also I'd watched a Salmon TV episode and I saw like Killian Journey running some amazing lines. And I was like, that, that, that's what I want to be. You know, when I was younger, I remember spending a lot of time going up in, in lifts in the Alps and seeing these guys with their rucksacks, with their rope piling out of their bag and being like, that's the guy I want to be. So I kind of had this imagination of when I was older, what I would be. And I feel like I'm not too far off that no, now. you're not. Some people would look at those people, though, particularly when you're on like a ski lift or whatever, like you just mentioned, guys hiking up with ropes and backpacks. People look at that and think, that looks absolutely awful. Why does that excite you, do you think? I've always done sports that have had kind of some risk of danger and... There's got to be adrenaline in it for me, mm. even from, you know, when I was boxing younger, when I was playing rugby, you've always got that kind of risk, that adrenaline buzz. And I've kind of shifted that just into sort of more personal challenges around team sports or against anyone. It's like a fair risk when you are 
uh, soloing on a climb or you're running a ridgeline, it's you against the mountain. As long as the wind or the weather isn't too bad, it's it's a fair risk. It's a it's a fair battle, and I quite like that. You know, where there is some serious risk, but also there's so much enjoyment and so so much gains from. Uh, completing a route like that. Do you ever feel it difficult to balance that risk and reward? I think I have in the past. There was definitely, when I moved up here initially, uh, I think I was probably too far on the risk side. <laughs> Nothing ever really happened, but there was a few times when I thought, you know, if, if something does go even remotely slightly wrong, it's going to end really quite quite quickly. So now I'm doing a lot more safer things um, I think there's, I'm a lot more experienced now as well. And I feel like I've, I've really completed my mountain apprenticeship, especially in the lakes. I've done so much and put so much time into that. I've done a lot more courses now. I think a lot of people see what I do and they maybe don't realize that, you know, I've, I've done my climbing instructor training. I've done sort of self-rescue training. I've done uh, alpine training. I've done so many courses now and spent so much time that I think my decisions are a lot more calculated. Mm. I do feel slightly disappointed today, to be honest, mate, and I haven't mentioned this yet, but um, there's no cap. There is no cap. I was wearing a beanie earlier. You were wearing a beanie, but no cap. For people that might follow you on Instagram, if they don't, what is your Instagram? Just check that out. It's just Rory Southworth. Just go and have a look at that. Um, Rory, I would say probably... 75% 75% of the time is rocking a backwards cap. Yeah. It's becoming like a niche, mate. It is. So the, the reason that kind of happened was because when I started hiking, um, before I kind of was running as much as I, I did now, when I first moved up to the lakes, I just didn't have that fitness to go out and run big days in the mountains. I'd spent so much time climbing indoors uh, in a sort of a dusty, chalky, bouldering uh, room that... I just didn't have that cardio to be able to just run in the mountains straight away. So I spent a lot of time hiking, getting that strength, getting my power hiking down. And I felt it was quite a geeky sport hiking. I never saw people my age and I disliked that because I think hiking, I think running is cool. And actually, I think a lot more people think running is cool than hiking. So, you know, the hiking kit is all grey and blacks. And I didn't really like that. You know, I saw these people running past me and they were looking so much cooler. They had bright colored kit, they had shorts, they had caps. And that's kind of where the backwards cap came from. Like, it's that sort of, yeah, I'm hiking, yeah, I'm running, but, you know, it's cool. Give it a couple of years and I want uh, a Rory Southworth cap brand. I want it. I want (laughs) it. The thing is, so I'm very particular about my caps and what I wear now because I've tried so many caps that for me, it has to be something that can be washed. It has to be something that's soft so it can pack down into my pack. And I have all these requirements now. And there's there's more cat brands now than when I started that I've hit that that style. So I definitely appreciate that. It's, it's got to be a breathable cap though as well. <laughs> but now I started with just one that I'd wear all the time. Now I've got kind of four caps that I, I can rotate on. The science of calf. The science of calf. I love it's, it. It's different. But yeah, so I pretty much always wear a cap. It just keeps the sweat out of your hair. Mm. Um, keeps the sweat out of your eye. It... Um, it kind of just yeah keeps everything in check, gives you a bit more warmth, and yeah, you look stylish. When you feel like when lights. you put it on, it's, it's mountain time, baby. It's time baby. to go, isn't it? Like a lot of my photos, my cap's backwards, but people don't realise that when I'm doing sort of longer runs, my cap will go forwards, go mm. back, go forwards, go back. So sometimes you may even see it forwards. It's just kind of where the sun is and where I need the maximum support. I'm I'm light skinned, I'm fair skinned, I'm, and so. I do need a little bit of sun protection. And as much as that doesn't give me a huge amount, I justify it to my parents that, that that's why it's there. You mentioned a little bit before about 
hiking maybe not being so cool. Do you think there is a shift there now? Do you think it's kind of becoming a bit cooler? Yeah, 100%. So in the last few years, I feel like definitely... I've seen people move into hiking through photography, through mm. Instagram, like a lot of people are inspiring people to try and hike into the mountains a bit further to get those shots. I've, so I'm seeing that coming in. But also I think, yeah, like a, a trend, rambling's coming cool. You know, there's a few brands that are kind of making it a bit more accessible and just stylizing it in a way that it actually is a bit more cooler to go rambling with your friends than it was when I started. People might not know, but you do have a full-time job. You stuff so much into your life whilst holding down this full-time job. Is that difficult? I think because I've made it that way, that it's not as difficult as it would be for someone who is in that position now. And it it was gradual. Like, I know when I'm training hard, I'm training sort of five, six days a week. And I say training, but I don't never race. So it's not training for races. It's just basically going out and making sure I'm maintaining that fitness and so that that means the swimming that means the climbing that means the running I have a job that has a little bit of flexibility in my hours in that I work eight or four rather than nine to five so I can leave that hour earlier and it's not a job that sort of requires me to be um, very on the ball I'm not driving around for a living I do have an office based job so I can if I've gone out the night before I can have some time to rest it's not um, really important that I'm on the ball like I'm driving all day mm-hmm. so I've, I've, yeah I've structured it around that way in that I, I live nearer the mountains than, than I did when I was at university um, I've kind of given myself the, the time I need to and the flexibility in, in my commitments. I definitely have committed more to the mountains than other things in that if the weather's good, I know I can just leave at, once I finish work at four and head straight to the Lake District. And I think it's, it comes down to those choices. I think James Forrest will say a similar thing. You've got to kind of put all the things in place and you've definitely got to commit to that. And and yeah, I think I think it comes down to just your passion being high enough to, to kind of sustain that drive and for you just to commit to everything that you need to commit to just be 100% kind of committed to the mountains Mm. when you're out there in the mountains what does it feel like on a great day on a good line like the focus is unreal uh when i started and i was climbing a lot i loved the focus of a harder route or soloing an easier route where all you're doing is thinking about the movement i think that's very much the same in in running on a good line when you're running a ridge line all you're thinking about is just the moment where you're putting your feet where you're putting your hands and you're not thinking about work life stresses so for me it's all about that kind of that focus that movement i think i'm getting the same now from the cold water swimming stuff you're just so focused um that you you just you block out everything else Mm. and it just happens Mm. it's kind of like autonomous Exactly, yeah. I mean, I like to think I've kind of trained my body now to be in a position where it just does it. It just moves through the terrain. Whatever type of terrain, it kind of just moves through it. And it's definitely taken me a while to get the fitness for the running. Running up hills is hard. And I think one of the things about mountain running and fell running is that actually you don't have to run everything. Like I power hike a lot of the ups. You know, on the steep sections, I'm not running the really steep sections. I'm power hiking those. And it's just about, you know, efficiencies and making sure you have enough energy to get the whole way on a longer route. 
but also you don't have to I'm not racing if I don't want to run it I won't I just enjoy moving efficiently you feel and you look very fluid in the mountains obviously because of your upbringing and stuff and something that you do really well that not a huge amount of people do is this sort of linking up of multi-sports just explain that a little bit I, I love doing lots of different sports that's the thing for me like I said with the seasons depending on what the weather is is depending on what I think I'll do for that day or do for that evening because I've had a kind of a grounding in a lot of different sports and I've done lots of different sports at different times it's now that time that I can bring it all together uh, I love going out just for a run but I get a lot more enjoyment if I then have a swim in that run or have a climb in that run and and just kind of link those things up and even with the skiing in the lake district it's not a top ski resort you have to either take the single lift we have on ray's mountain or you have to boot pack up or ski tour up so i have a very cheap set of skis because your skis can get easily wrecked with the amount of rocks there and i just strap them to my pack and i power hike up i go quite quickly up ski down and then put them back on my pack and, and power hike up again I get a lot more enjoyment from linking these things up. So you can do you know, a few lines when you're skiing or you can swim in a few different uh, bodies of water. And I, I love that. It just gives it, gives it a narrative. You know, like I love just going out for a training run, but I also probably prefer when I've got like a stronger narrative to my sort of evening session where I'm like, I'd love to go into this water, run to this one, go into this or the same with the scrambles just have that that narrative to kind of drive me through it to give me purpose I think that's what comes down to it's probably enjoyment but also having purpose in that run one thing that I've noticed about you listening to you talk reading stuff that you've done as well is and you may not have noticed this yourself you don't ever refer to anything really as a challenge everything's a trip or a project is it more of an experience that you do these things for rather than the challenge? It feels like you already know that you're going to do them. I haven't really ever done that many things, I think, that I know I can't do. Hmm. And that's probably me not pushing myself. But You've it's done some also, pretty big things, though. Yeah, but I always make sure the days are achievable. I think I've had some sort of tough times on some of those trips... But for me, I like to communicate how easy and accessible the mountains are. And that's why the projects are there. If you do a challenge that makes it look horrendous, then I don't think people are going to be as inspired. You may inspire some people, but if you want to sort of communicate the message that I'm really passionate about, about sharing the hills and how easy it is to get out and how enjoyable it is, if you just post you know, a week of suffering, I think you're going to sort of turn some people away. When you're doing something where you can see that you're kind of successful in that project and how much fun it is. And for me, it's all about the smiling. It's all about having a good time. That's, that's again, why I don't like the races. They're stressful. There's loads of people around you. Whereas when you're doing like a project or a trip, it's just you and some buddies having a great time. And that's what getting out is for me. You must have literally no holiday days at work. I do blow through my holiday very fast. Um, especially with the longer distance stuff like I was focused on uh, sort of last year this year because of the blood clots and some injuries I've kind of more focused on just projects where I'm communicating how easy it is to get out with a full-time job Mm. Um, I knew I needed to put quite a bit of groundwork back in to get that base level back of fitness and strength before I do anything that's quite serious in the multi-day sort of trips so I decided, yeah, it's to put this effort in for a year and just have this focus really on just communicating 
what you can do to, to get out and around your nine to fives or, mm. or your jobs you have. Before we focus on some of those trips and projects, not challenges, let's just flash back a little bit. And you mentioned the blood clot there. You have been suffering over sort of the past 12 months with a yeah. few different injuries. So uh, I've always had sort of niggles every now and then with things where you have to see the sports physio like everyone. But then at Kazakh Mountain Festival, not this year, but last year, my arm just swelled up. Uh, my left arm swelled up and I didn't know why. So I went into A&E and they thought there was some sort of damage to uh, one of my veins that meant that it was kind of a bit blocked. So I spent a couple of days in and out of hospital then. But they said basically I needed to rest and see what happened. And I saw what happened and it, it turned into a blood clot. So two weeks later, I was back in hospital, spent a week uh, in hospital where they were trying different blood thinners with me and kind of assessing the situation. And that was really tough. That was definitely one of the toughest things I've had to do. Um, they were telling me a lot of things about maybe I wouldn't get back to the same fitness level. They didn't know what impact that would have permanently, but they knew it was permanently damaged. When I was in there, the main thing was that I'd at least be able to do some sort of sport, you know, at least be able to run. And they were kind of turning me around to the fact I probably wouldn't be able to climb to the same strength, putting the same sort of forces through. And they're being quite negative about, you know, me getting back to health. And they were blaming sport. So when I, I came out, I didn't initially go back to work. I still was having a lot of pain and a lot of discomfort. So I kind of ended up being out of work for about three months, resting, focusing on my recovery. And that was quite good because I, then I could start to rebuild sort of my, my fitness levels up whilst I was out because the worst thing was it affected my heart rate so I had to keep it below 100 beats per minute to be able to stop filling my arm with blood and it swelling up I had to drain my arm of that all that excess fluid before I could get back and doing any sport and the problem with at that time with my heart rate I would be hitting 140 just getting out of bed so I really was very limited I spent a lot of time just lying down with my arm raised in almost a high five position trying to drain that trying to get everything right and it took a while to settle I I spent a lot of time and when you're just on on your back resting it's amazing how much muscle you lose you know I lost all the hard skin on my feet I lost a lot of the muscle in my legs that's quite critical for running I lost a lot of strength and you know I kept looking down and it didn't look like my body anymore it's not that kind of runner's build it was just stripped you know that had gone over those sort of months so that was really tough like mentally as well I deal with a lot of stresses through sports you know whenever I'd had a bad day at uni I'd climb for a few hours where I'm at now I I spend that time running and even if it's road running not trail running or whatever I I deal with all of my stresses through sort of physical exertion you spoke about it before that sort of movement meditation if you will exactly so when you don't have that and you're dealing with some really big stresses on some things that will impact your life you know I just signed with Salomon just like you know the month before so I was really excited about my summer I had all these cool things planned it would be great it was great to work with a new brand and then this kind of happens and you're kind of told that you're not going to be the same as before and you can't deal with it because you've got no ability to do the sport you know I was only letting myself walk a kilometre slowly a day uh, for that time just to get out just to keep me moving through those months though I kind of started to see my fitness regain through just kind of walking a bit more and a bit more my heart rate sort of sorted itself out a lot of the blood had drained from the arm it was starting to create well not create new veins but the veins that I already had the very small ones existing ones were growing in size to take that load 
Uh, they offered me either to kind of have time to rest or have an operation. I, I didn't choose the operation because they were going to put in sort of like a plastic component in me to take that flow. And in my mind, that, that doesn't move with the amount of exercise. I imagine I was just going to get a normal person's one rather than an athlete's person one. So I chose that rest option and it took longer, but I feel like I've now managed to come back to where I was pretty much. Mm. Um, I then had a great two months where I hadn't done much, but I'd slowly built my fitness back up. And I wanted to show people that there's no excuse not to get out. I've just had all these excuses to get out, uh, not get out for a while, not do sport for a while. And I thought, you know, I'm going to show people that I can get out. So I did two months of at least 30 minutes of exercise every day, running, walking, hiking, skiing, climbing, whatever it was. After that two months period of, of showing people how, you know, I, I could get out. I was making that time, squeezing that back in. I was back working. I then took some time just to rest a bit and I was sort of, tailoring off with with that sort of effort and then my foot just went um i'd had issues with morton's neuroma in the past which is an inflamed sort of tendon in your foot and it gives you a sharp pain when you stand on it so running is basically impossible this pain is just too sharp that your form just changes and you can't run properly it's more like a limp i've had issues with that in the past but this time it just came and it came hard i couldn't just rest it off like i had in the past so I then had a sort of few months where I was trying to manage it myself. I then saw a doctor, saw a specialist. So I'd kind of gone from a few months off to a few months getting back, a few months just really hitting it hard, and then back to not being able to do as much. As I sort of rested it, it then became possible to run some days and not the other days. And I was sort of a few days on, a few days off with it sort of being inflamed, not inflamed. And I just couldn't shake it. Uh, again, that was tough to deal with because, you know, I just had all this time off and I was feeling amazing. And then I was going back to more permanent damage. Mm. Um, a lot of these things I keep having issues with, they're there and they're there for me forever now. Um, I then had an injection and that's kind of sorted it out like we were talking about uh, now. But I'm still not 100% confident in that foot. Yeah, uh, That injection can kind of work sometimes. Um, but it's not 100% guaranteed. So we're kind of back on track more, but I'm still conscious that it's there. Do you think that the foot was aggravated because you were off for a little bit of time, then you hit that two months super, super hard? Yeah, I think potentially it was. You know, it's hard to say that through my own stupidity once again, <laughs> I've injured myself. You know, with, with the Morton's room, it was there already because I'd already experienced it you know, it's through wearing tight shoes. So climbing for years has definitely not helped mm. and then impact. So, you know, I think it's, you know, through probably sport that it's happened. And mm. I think some people are more prone to these things. My cousin suffers from it and she doesn't run and she doesn't climb. So potentially there's that aspect as well. It was already in me and I've just kind of aggravated it through that two month block. So yeah, that's probably down to my own fault. Whether it would have happened anyway later and that just kind of brought it on quicker, mm. probably as well. Do you ever find, because you do all these different sports, that one's suffering because you're kind of addicted to the other one at the time, like you're doing a lot of swimming now, mm. how's your running with that or how's your climbing with that or how's your mountaineering yeah. with that? So yeah, definitely. I, I get these like these 
focuses and the swimming came around through the Morton's neuroma not being able to run not being able to swim uh, sorry not being able to hike as much and I decided that I would stay with a friend uh, who lives in Nether Wasdale just to be able to get out on the hills even though I couldn't run I couldn't hike as much just be able to stay with a friend he was talk- telling me all about these great swim run-, run projects he had and he was pointing them all out from his window and I thought that sounds I you'd perfect be there. Like, oh. yeah that sounds great this, this, this idea of actually having less impact through the foot it sounded great at the time so two weeks later I'd bought a wetsuit I was back at his house <laughs> and we went out swimming and it showed me that there was this other sport that I could enjoy. It gave me the same level of focus. It was still pretty risky. You know, you swim out with nothing but um, a wetsuit on into some deep water. It's committing. When you're running and you're tired, you just stop. When you're climbing, you can find a ledge. When you're swimming, you have to keep going. There's no just kind of stopping. You can float a little bit, but that's not... But you've still got to get back, don't you? Yeah, that's the thing. exactly. I love that commitment. I love that commitment with the sort of open water swimming. So, yeah, so right now I'm focusing on the swimming quite a lot. That's partly because I'm still a bit concerned about my foot, partly because it's new and exciting, and there's that sort of, that very quick gains. My running is probably suffering with that, but my running would have been suffering anyway Mm. right now. Climbing has suffered massively from the Morton's neuroma. The fact that it's kind of come around through tight shoes, in climbing we wear tight shoes, when I was last putting on a shoe, I, I just couldn't do it because a tight climbing shoe, because it was just too tight, too painful, and it's inflaming and it's, it's making the thing worse in that moment. So I have kind of just thrown my climbing shoes to the side. And yeah, the, the focus is more so on swimming. That's because it's exciting, but also just whilst I'm letting that foot really recover. With the running, I probably I haven't done any road training since the Morton's Neuroma. And I do a lot normally just to maintain that that fitness maintain that speed so right now i'm slow it hasn't stopped me from doing that sort of half marathon distance on the trail mm. but i'm also conscious that i don't want to be pushing it too much further i think swimming is one of those things that does actually kind of help your cardiovascular fitness as well it's not it's quite transferable in that way I think yeah. um, off topic slightly have you seen Kim Swims on Netflix I have it's amazing it's so oh my good. god so it's inspiring so good if you haven't seen Kim Swims on Netflix go and watch that please please it's just so good um, let's talk about some of those projects yeah. quickly um, you've run across England you've done the Wainwrights you've run across Scotland twice yeah. which when I found out I was like he did it once why did he go and do it again I mean different routes yeah the, the, well the first time was to basically check that I had the right setup for the second time the first time I did it over the Easter bank holiday weekend so I headed up on the train on the Friday night to put a 10k in you find it weird okay that like a lot of your mates may be going out Easter bank holiday weekend yeah it's three big nights and you're just like yeah I'm gonna go and uh, gonna go run across Scotland it was cold as well like Easter always gets me I forever think it's a great time to wild camp and I don't like camping I'm not a camper um, I think people think I am because my my trips in the past have had a lot of camping that's just because there's not places to stay there's no option yeah there's no option um, I, oh, that was a tough one because you know I was testing kit out and it was what minus six one of the nights and I was in fairly summer weight kit I always get that, you know, East Bank holiday, it's either going to be warm or it's not, and every time it's not. So, yeah, I need to take that on board and pack more layers. With these sort of big multi-day projects that you have done, has there been any particular challenges, any particular moments that stick out for you that you kind of think, that was kind of here or there if we were going to finish it at that point? 
maybe not finish it but definitely the struggles um, and that was particularly one day in the Cairngorms on my Land's End John O'Groats bike ride you know I've come from quite, a, quite I did a lot of cycling growing up so getting back on the bike was quite nice but yeah I, I, I kind of planned it very blasé because I think with cycling you can go so much further so much faster than you can when you run so I probably didn't put in as much effort or as concerned about mm. navigation. I, I did the entire thing off Google Maps in cycle mode. And Google Maps in cycle mode is great, but sometimes it will take you on some walking paths and paths that really aren't rideable. And it did that to me in the Cairngorms. I was staying at a friend's place in Glenshee, and it took me just through boggy, super saturated ground to the point where I had to get off my bike and just run with my bike and um, whilst my bike was just sinking into this ground crossing loads of streams uh, just in this middle of this kind of just wild part of Scotland and it was grey it was raining I didn't have enough clothing or kit to be able to stay out I was staying at friends places youth hostels the entire trip so I had not enough kit to be in that situation and yeah it was just blank on the map on the google maps and all i knew was that i had to keep following this sort of direction for six miles i couldn't find a path it just turned into just open ground rough and saturated ground and that was when i was like i've kind of put myself in a silly situation here this is quite tough if something goes wrong you know no one's going to really find me for quite a while mm. yeah if there's any injuries i don't really have a big enough first aid kit i don't have enough warm clothes to stay out in the night so yeah that was kind of one of the sort of times I've since gone back and I've hiked in that area and I've also driven in that area to kind of see more of that of where I was but at that time it was I think it was probably my first time in the Cairngorms as well I just didn't know where I was I didn't know how long I was going to be trying to cover the six miles at that point I was going slower than if I was you know running or slower if I was probably walking at a good pace just because the ground was so difficult mm. in the trips that I've done crossing England and Scotland I think they've been a lot a lot easier and that I just haven't ever made the distances that silly they've always been less than 50 kilometers and you know at that point I was fit enough that 50k days back to back was achievable even with hills so I've never done anything like, you know, 80K days, 60K days back to back, which would make it really, really challenging. So with that, I haven't had anything that's just been um, crazy or, or really suffering on those on those crossings. Yet. 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 being the big point. Yeah. One thing that you do do really well, and I think it's quite admirable, actually, is a lot of your kind of multi-day projects, they're all based here in the UK. Yeah. Do you feel like the UK is kind of underrated for what we actually have? Yeah, for sure. Um, it was a decision to focus on the UK a couple of years ago. I love the Alps. You know, it, it, I've visited it a lot growing up, and it has a very special place for me. But I also want to show just how much fun and how much you can do in the UK. I will, you know, at the moment, once a year, I go out to the Alps to ski in the winter, just because it's hard to Nordic ski and, and get that much alpine skiing in in the UK. But you can do pretty much everything else. You know, I do ski in the UK. I do love it for uh, the hiking and the climbing and just so much water sport as well. There's just so much you can do. I want to push that and show people that they don't need to be taking those easy jet flights to Chamonix every few weekends it has such a wealth and I think it, it can be even more adventurous you know when you go out to Chamonix in, in Switzerland there's signposts to the villages wherever you're going even up in the high hills 
you've got mountain huts and you've got all these things that just takes away from that wildness. I love that. It has a place. But in the UK, it's far more wild. Mm. I love our Bothy network. I love that we don't have signage. I love that, you know, when you go up into the hills, all you see is kind of what's there. Mm. Uh, it's all natural. And I love that. So, yeah, the focus has been on, you know, trying to show how much you can do in the UK. And also, it's kind of from an environmental point of view. Like, I know how much CO2 emission can be reduced by just not flying out all the time. So that's kind of a, a big thing to me. I'd like to get to a point where I'm skiing enough in the UK that I, I can sort of scrap that once a year flight. I try and walk to work as much as possible. I do try and focus on sort of reducing my carbon and... I think other people would benefit from exploring the UK in a way that reduces their carbon footprint. Watch Kim swims a couple more times, mate, and you'll be swimming to France next. <laughs> Why not? Uh, Why not? Yeah, I mean, yeah, maybe. I mean, it's if there was more mountains along the way, maybe. <laughs> but that seems a long swimming way to up, go. Without swimming mountains. up a hill seems like the worst thing in the world. Swimming up, that'd be absolutely gross. Yeah. Um, I just want to touch on uh, a couple of things before we finish up. Finishing the Wainwrights because mm-hmm. that was a big multi-year project for you. Yeah. It took you around three and a half years, right? Yeah. Right. Saying that must have been a pretty special feeling. It was difficult. I fell out of love with the Wainwrights many times. I wish I could say, you know, I was like those guys that finish it in a year where you just hit it really hard and you you, you love it and you might have a few tough points. But for me, I sort of took six months off of, you know, and a good few months in between. You know, I wasn't doing it every single weekend at the start. I was doing it quite a lot every free weekend I had after work. But then just other distractions, other life issues. And I just... When it stopped becoming fun, I would stop it. Mm. And then when it kind of excited me again, I would go back onto it. And, you know, when the weather was good for climbing, I would I'd spend that time climbing. I, I didn't want to just focus all that time and then miss out on great weather days. So, yeah, I mean, the, the Wainwrights had a, a massive love-hate relationship. Um, and then when I was trying to finish them, I had all these struggles in the Wasdale Valley. I kept getting shut down with winds. I don't mind bad weather, but I don't like winds. High winds are dangerous, especially on ridgelines. It's just not my thing. I won't battle 80 mile power winds because I know who's going to win. So I had a few situations where I went out to the Wasdale Valley. I stayed there and I just did way less hills than I wanted to do. Went back up, did no hills. It was just such high winds. I just drove into the valley and just drove straight back out the next day. And when I finally went there, I changed up my plan and I managed to get it done and once the, the Wasdale Valley was done, I only had the cat bells left. And I specifically left one the entire time just skirting around cat bells to make sure I could do it and come back with friends. So I had all those sort of struggles, even just trying to complete the last bit, so that when I did have just cat bells to do, it was great. It was the Thursday before Keswick Mountain Festival, so a few buddies were up. Um, I was staying in Keswick anyway with Hornet Survey. And yeah, a few of us just went up and it was just nice. I, I took some champagne, a buddy took some gingerbread from Grassmere Gingerbread and we just had a good time. Mm. We just enjoyed it. And it was just nice not to feel any pressure to share it with friends. So many of my summits had been solo. It was cool just to, you know, share the gravitas of what I've achieved because it was a lot of struggle, you know, and, and it's not it, physically, it's also mentally because you're committing to a, a project where you know in, until you've done it 
it's still there as a little bit of a burden for me you know I always felt like I was cheating on the Wainwrights if I was doing anything else because there was that list that needed to be done that goal that I hadn't achieved it's yet it's kind of hanging over you almost for sure yeah so it felt amazing but I think like a lot of these sort of projects I do you get there and it never feels as good as you want it to mm. there's always that kind of like oh it's great I've done it but what's next? Is there any way you look at, I know we've talked about staying in the UK, but outside of the UK, you think, I just got to go there? Not, not at the moment. I mean, I love Norway. I've only visited Norway for the first time last year and I had an incredible time. Um, it's very expensive. I, I, I love it because of the ski culture. You know, I love cross-country skiing. I love sort of ski touring. And because of that, that's, it's very big out there in Norway. Uh, I've got... Uh, a few people that I've met through the Salomon network that I could go out and have a great time with and I'm really tempted to put a project in place to do that but then I've also got this sort of consciousness with the environment and this still this passion that I feel like I haven't shown off the UK to its max yet so yeah there, there's there's probably Norway is that place that kind of keeps sort of niggling niggling at is me there. but yeah more time in Scotland more time in the lakes I've, I've spent a lot of time in the lakes but there's still so much more mm. I've got all these water these bodies of water that I now get to play with in the lakes that I haven't yet explored do you just look there. at it all as like one big playground because that's how I feel when yeah. I talk to you just like when you start talking about the outdoors you're a proper outdoorsman like you just light up you're just yeah. so happy about it yeah, for sure. It is a playground. And uh, I like to think that because I've put in the time, that groundwork early on of, of having my navigation down, you know, doing my advanced navigation training, doing all the courses I've done, that I'm in a position where it is a lot more playful. When you, when you start out, it's tough, it's rough, it's wild, it's dangerous, it is really dangerous. But because now I've put in that time, that fitness, that equipment, it is now a playground. You know, I love it. I, I have a gear room in my house, which has my, my skis or my axes or my kit or my ropes so when I, I am going out to play I pack a bag I pack a few bags and I just go out to the hills and I just play yeah for sure and if people want to see you play once again let's check that Instagram and where can yeah. they find you yeah Rory Southworth that's R-O-R-Y S-O-U-T-H-W-O-R-T-H I'm also on Twitter but less so um, Instagram's my main one for me um, I just I love the community there I've been on it for so long that you know, I love every day seeing the people that inspire me because I, I wake up early. I love checking out people's Instagram stories that are up already training, mm. and then when I see that, I think, "Oh man, I need to get out of training." And that's the thing—the thing that I think pushes me more than anything else. Training plans, no. Seeing other people getting out, loving it, um, just getting out in the hills—that's that's what inspires me. It's got to be a good feeling as well when you see someone that's been inspired by you. Yeah, and I, I love that. Like, I love it when people who don't think that they could ever be a runner start to do a, a little bit of running in the hills and then they realise that actually they can be a runner. I think this whole, oh, I'm not a runner is, is rubbish. You know, some people may have injuries that stops them and prevents them from that. But the average person, it's just about putting in the training. And the same with, with being a swimmer or a climber or a hiker. No one's ever not something. You know, people have gifts and talents in sports but it's all about just putting in that groundwork putting in that training to be able to do these things you never not something you just haven't trained enough for that yet
Big thanks to Rory for getting up super early to get that one done. He really does have a superb Instagram account, so I would 100% recommend go and check that out. Last of all from me, please remember if you are enjoying the podcast, do go and rate, review and subscribe and I'll catch you again soon.